Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast. All things health, food, and nutrition. Unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Hey friends, today we're going to have some conversations around weight loss. This is an interview that I recorded with Lucia Holly back in mid-April, so I've been sitting on this one for a couple of months now. Um, Weight loss is a touchy subject. I personally don't like talking about weight loss. I, I don't like it at all. I think it's hard to talk about weight loss without unpacking all the cultural and societal underpinnings that come along with it. I certainly haven't shied away from that stuff. If you've been with me uh, for the past two and a half years on the podcast, you've known, no doubt have heard me explore some of those things. Uh, as you all know, or maybe you don't, I struggled with eating disorders, anorexia, and then bulimia for 13 years. So I've personally seen firsthand the detrimental effects of the perpetual quest for weight loss, both mentally and physically. And I think people spend so much of their time and their energy on trying to lose weight. And I think that is by design, that is put in place, quite honestly. When people are hyper-focused on their bodies and on their weight, they have less attention to devote to their actual life and to the world that's happening around them right? You're not looking around and saying, where's the injustice when you're solely focused on the size of your pants? We have limited resources as humans. We have finite time and energy and attention and even time on this planet. So we can invest that time into getting a six pack or we could channel that energy into affecting real change in the world, in our families, in our communities, in the world at large. Your six-pack, while it might be pretty to look at, it's not really doing much. It's just sitting there. It's ornamental. So for that reason, how to get a six-pack or how to get a beach body, it's just not stuff that you'll hear from me. It's not the work that I do in this world. It's not how I want to show up because I feel like my time is better spent elsewhere. I want to help people restructure their energy so they can go out and live the life they want and they can create ripple effects in the world and they can change the world just by showing up as their most energetic and vibrant self. They can create the life that they want. And it's not just because they look good. And so that's where I'm at with my whole journey in unpacking weight loss. And I think a lot of you are here because you're down with that. And also, and also, you might want to lose weight because that's a very normal response to living in the world that we live. So yeah, It's heavy, right? There's a lot to talk about, a lot of emotions to discuss, a lot of things that kind of seem or feel contradictory in your own body and in your own brain. 
And this is the conversation that I want to have. I wanted to have, um, and Lucia Holly is just the gal to do it with us. If you feel shame around wanting to lose weight, this episode is for you. So a quick background on Lucia before I hit play. Lucia Holly is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner with a master's degree in social work, clinical mental health. She teaches overwhelmed women how to stop dieting, lose weight for life, and to master their minds instead of counting one more point calorie or macro. Her approach to nutrition emphasizes techniques that incorporate knowledge on not only how our bodies work, but how and why our bodies, minds, and spirits were all created to radically coexist in harmony. So without much further ado, here we go. All right, Lucia, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to talk about all the things we're going to talk about today. Me too. I'm just, I'm jazzed. I'm ready for it. All right. First, since this is the first time on the show, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and um, talk to listeners about who you are, what you do, and how you came to be. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like for a lot of us, it can be kind of a long and winding road. So yeah. I'll do my best to be succinct because there can, you know, there are forks in the road and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I'm Lucia Holly. I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and I also have my master's in social work, clinical mental health. So I love and adore the connection between our gut and our brain and how it works both ways. So I really came into nutrition. Um, and again, I think this is something that a lot of people have experienced. I felt like when I was young, I really had to advocate for my own health and I really had to put on my own detective cap after having some experiences with more conventional medicine, which I think is great and there is a time and a place, um, but I was experiencing more and more chronic issues and I was young. This was happening when I was in my late teens. I was not feeling so great. Things were starting to feel a little fuzzy, but I was mostly just getting pats on the back from doctors because uh, there were no major medical issues. So, but I was feeling funny and I knew that, well, hey, if I'm like a, a teenager, I, it's I, why am I feeling funny? Like I should be in the prime of my life, right? So this really kind of sparked the interest for me to dive more deeply into nutrition and into food because even though as a teenager, a late teenager, I had had this experience of like, well, there's something off and like no one else is experiencing that except for me. So I need to take it seriously because this is my lived experience, right? Even though I was having that experience, I came to food and a curiosity around how much it could be changing how I was experiencing my life because of a uh, time in my life as a younger teenager where I had actually experienced some weight loss. And we can dive totally into like all aspects of that as it makes sense and, you know, anywhere that we want to put more details, we can. But I had had an experience where just by changing the foods I was eating, my body had released weight. And I had never had that experience before. And when I had that experience as a younger teenager, I also had a reduction in headaches. I started to sleep better. I had all these changes that rolled into that, even though culturally the biggest focus was on the weight loss. So I knew that as a later teenager, there was probably something to the food that I hadn't quite realized was as powerful as it had been. So what really changed my life when I was a later teenager was going gluten-free. I was in college. I had been having a lot of panic attacks, a lot of anxiety attacks, 
nothing was helping. I was having a lot of skin issues. And after two weeks of going gluten-free and of finding a study on, um, I think it was teenagers in Sweden. I so wish I could find the study again. <laughs> I printed it off, found it from the library. There was a study that they had taken a, a mental inventory on feelings of depression and anxiety on some, uh, you know, a cohort of teens in Sweden. And the only thing that they changed for one group was removing gluten from their diet. So I figured, okay, let me go ahead and try this. Why not? I had already kind of gone gluten-free unknowingly when I was younger. So by going gluten-free after two weeks, anxiety attacks, gone. Panic attacks, gone. And I felt like it was a big wake-up call to realize, wow, something that I thought was just becoming my personality was just this experience that I was having. So that really lit a fire under my butt to be like, okay, if that one change, and not everyone has to go gluten-free, clearly, but if that change was so profound for me and it was something so simple, there was no way that I couldn't not talk about it. I had to continue to dive in more deeply. So that was really, you know, in a nutshell, the beginning of my journey around food and nutrition and just its power and how curious we can become if we like to feel either more autonomous, more independent, or simply more in control or in charge of what's happening through our lives and our lived experiences. And the way that you talk about it sounds so um, like mentally healthy is the, I mean, I don't know what other word to, <laughs> to use to describe it because when you're talking about um, autonomy over your body and when food comes into play, it can easily slip into control issues and almost like, you know, go toward the, the orthorexia spectrum. But the way that you talk about it sounds so empowering and so freeing and just so like, hey, I have this this tool in my arsenal that I can use and I can apply to myself and it makes me feel better. And how wonderful is that? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was so interesting having that experience, too, of being someone who was in a larger body and society had a lot of opinions on my body, especially as a teenager. Like, man, <laughs> there's a lot that a lot of words and comments that happened then. So it was also this fascinating, like, cultural shift during that initial um, weight loss. I lost around about 80 pounds. That initial weight loss just you know, I, I'm I'm someone who like I'm very visual, and I'm also I'm definitely an empath and like sensitive and notice like other people's energies, right? Pick up what they're putting down to the, like the benefit or maybe detriment. But, Got it? Yeah, right. So with that too, it was so interesting being a teenager, kind of coming of age, and saying like, "Wow, people treat me so differently. I am the same exact person. I have the same heart." right? I've been doing the same things and I've been on this journey of finding more of myself. That's really how I always felt it was. It's like, hey, if I don't have to have headaches, cool. I'm not going to have headaches. If I can sleep better, great. Like how awesome. So to really understand too that there was this big uh, internal paradigm shift that I was having that other people weren't having. And I really think through no fault of their own, but that's how we're primed as a society is to have this major bias and major focus on this one visual and external part that could be an indicator of health for some people, depending on their own, you know, whatever is happening in their bodies. But for other people, I just think it was such a cool lens to have as a teenager to be like, hey, well, I can either have this make me feel really bad because like that's really heavy, right? That's very emotional. Or I can just roll with it and kind of take this whole experience with a grain of salt. 
Um, because I honestly, I was feeling so much better. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't want to feel bad. So like, let me just run with this. Yeah. You, you know, I had a, a somewhat similar experience where when I lost weight, um, I got the positive reinforcement and everybody was like, you know, so great. Weight loss is so great. And unfortunately for me, I kind of took it to that dark place where that was the tip of the iceberg on a 13 year battle with disordered eating. So it's so wild how similar experiences can just manifest so differently for people depending on, you know, what your bag is, your bag of goods. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think it's so helpful to be in containers or create spaces where we can, if we want to, right, we all have our own boundaries. But if we'd like to have these conversations, we can have them, right? And I think that is also something that I noticed. And that's why I started to make a, a shift in my business to really say and feel felt like I had a platform to say, if you want to talk about weight loss, great. <laughs> if you don't, that's also great. If, if we even the playing field and we start to make things just a little bit more neutral, what are we then capable of in terms of really like our reclaiming ourselves and coming into ourselves? Well, that's really the, the crux of why I, I wanted to have you on the show was to open up the dialogue and potentially bring things to my audience that I cannot myself deliver, bring this conversation. Um, because how do I, how do I even start this off? I, I think the longer you do something, the more you can hone in on your sweet spot, right? It's kind of like a trifecta. And I, I'm talking about this more in a professional capacity, like what you like to do, that would be number one. Number two, what you're good at. And number three, where there's a need that needs to be filled. Um, and if these three things match up, that's kind of your superpower, right? <laughs> like I've been talking about this concept a lot lately because I, I've sort of in 10 years in the game, I've sort of honed in on like, this is my thing. You know, it's the, the thing, the things that I can do with my business and my platform that I love, that that I'm good at and that I, I'm serving people and I'm ready to show up in full force for it um, and like really throw myself into that. And I completely understand and I, I talk about this often that if you try to do everything, you really can't do everything well. But in doing this, I also have to be okay with walking away from the things that I don't love, things that make me feel kind of bad. Um, and weight loss conversations is one of those things. I don't think that I can approach it in a very neutral way. Um, it's a hot button for me. And, um, you know, I, I have people, despite the fact that I'm very vocal about the, that, that I'm not a weight loss nutritionist, I still have people that reach out to me <clears throat> that want to talk about weight loss. My friend said to me, she's like, I don't understand why people feel comfortable doing that. Like, have they never listened to any piece of content that you they put out? Do they not know your your history? It feels a little insensitive to pe for people to continue to approach you about weight loss. But at the same time, I completely understand it, right? This is the world in which we live. And just like you said, I mean, we're primed to, to focus on our bodies 
and especially women. I mean, I'm very sorry that women feel like their entire sense of worth and purpose is tied up in their looks. And I have the same pressures being put on me. I'm baked in the same casserole as everybody else, but I also have to work really hard every single day to reject those messages because I've had to overcome a lot, you know? That that's a that's a big thing that I had to move through in my earlier life. And I think I just got to this point where I couldn't do it anymore. I don't know if it was just re-triggering old stuff for me or what, but I I sort of reached a breaking point where I realized I cannot be available for this anymore. And it was a hard thing for me to acknowledge to myself um, because I kind of want to be available for everything. Like I can help everybody do all the things and I want to help everybody do all the things, but there really did come a point where... I just couldn't do it anymore, right? I'm not the gal that's going to put you on the weight loss diet, but I don't discount the fact that people want to lose weight. And at the end of the day, it's your body, it's your life, it's your prerogative. And I'm certainly not here to tell you that you're wrong for wanting that. I think it's a very normal response to the world we live in. Um, so, But I also don't know how to engage in that conversation and open up the space to be like, it's okay that you want to lose weight even though I'm not the person that's going to be able to help you process that. You know, does that make sense? Anything that I just said makes sense, first of all. <laughs> Everything you just said makes so much sense. And, and yeah, you, you said one thing that I, wanted, what, that I want to say here before we started recording. You're like, weight loss is such a touchy subject. And I'm like, it totally is. And I think because it's so touchy, people shy away from it. The conversations, having the hard conversations about it. And I, 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 I kind of have, honestly, on this show. So today I'm like all for having the hard conversation. I love that. And I really, I really appreciate it because I'll also say, so I honestly, I never would have expected that I would be full force ahead talking about weight loss. It feels like both as reclamation and also I'm just like, wow, would like Lucia of two years ago be majorly rolling her eyes right now? Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Because here's the thing with my own story, that was never something I brought to light. Once I started working with clients or even when I got into my 20s, I was like, okay, like I lost weight, but it it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal for me, just personally, right? With how I had kind of metabolized like that experience and it, it became so focused on the health and wellness, which is where I think a lot of us love to, you know, show like, hey, maybe it's this secondary thing that happens. And if that makes you feel good or it makes you feel bad, like we'll get to that if we want to get to that. But it can be so much about the food and nutrition. And, you know, I found after being gluten-free, found paleo, and that was another reclamation of myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I don't want to talk about. Like if something happens then it happens, okay. But what I really came to, and I appreciate that you're sharing this too, is that I started to have women in my community and clients kind of come up to me, be like, um, I know that people don't have to lose weight. And like, I really appreciate, like, I'm not saying anyone else has to change, but I, and they would like start to whisper almost. And they'd be yes. like, but I, but I want to lose weight. And I feel really bad. And I was like, oh my gosh. After, you know, a handful of women came to me, I was like, if we're feeling bad about this now, I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> I want yeah. people to be like, my end goal is more liberation. So here's the thing. If we have this story running in our head around weight loss, and first we feel like we need to lose weight, and then we feel like, well, okay, maybe we're in this space, right? The pendulum has at least kind of swung from what I've seen, especially on like social media, and that's good and fine. We need a pendulum swing to like stir things up and wake people up. 
But if people are now just feeling like, well, I used to want to lose weight, but now I feel bad about maybe still wanting to, and I, I shouldn't, and I should, like if there's just a pile of shoulds and shouldn'ts and shame and blame and guilt, that's what we have to investigate because that, I can't believe that that's truly liberating or truly like we're going to feel more independence. So that's really kind of the name of my game is just to be like, well, let's talk about this from the emotional side of our brain because I really think that diets and diet culture, what's happening is that we're really like pumping the muscle of our analytical and logical brain, right? That one side of our brain. And we have this other side of our brain that's emotional and creative and imaginative. And if we're always just trying to lose weight, like diets look so good on paper, right? They're structured. They make sense. You have yeses and you have noes. <laughs> yep. Even if they're horrible in practice, like you see them on paper and you're like, well, I get it. I get what I'm going to do. Oh, that, that's our analytical brain being like, hey, this feels safe because I know what to expect from it. But unfortunately, if we're never bringing that emotional brain on board, that's not actually going to help us create a lifestyle that could bring us what we're saying that we want. And so what we do, you know, what I love to do is say like, hey, let me meet you where you're at so we can start to investigate these stories. Because as we're unpacking the stories from, you know, culture at large or maybe from people surrounding us as we are growing up, right, what you and I are just talking about, these stories once we understand the stories and we have a lay of the land and the landscape, then we can say, well, do I want to hold on to the story that maybe my mom gave me about her body that maybe her mom gave her or whoever or her dad, like whoever it's going to be. But if we can't allow ourselves the space to do that, I think what we'll find and have been finding is that we're just going to continue to feel like we can't reclaim that part of ourselves. And for me, I'm like, we gotta, like, we gotta, if we want to be liberated, like, let's go for it. It's going to be scared, like scary and weird, but maybe that's okay. Maybe that's what we need. There is so much safety and structures and rules. And that's what diets provide, right? You can, what you said, it's like, I know what, what's expected of me. I know what to expect, which is, I mean, We're recording this mid-April right now, so you know everybody's still on lockdown quarantine, and we're in a very severe place of n- not knowing what to expect and not knowing what's coming up, and we can see how much that triggers the fear and the lack of safety in us, in our physical bodies, in our minds. And so something as simple as a diet can provide that structure that people might not have otherwise. So I get the appeal. I mean, Jesus, I lived it for, you know, 20 years of my life. I so get the appeal. But what you're saying is that like the thing that you're actually after, like what's the, what is it? And is the, is that diet going to get you there? And hey, maybe it's, maybe it's an inroad. Maybe it's an inroad. But it's the, the stories that we tell ourselves in these subconscious, unconscious beliefs. When I started to unpack this, this concept a couple of years ago, I mean, Holy moly, I did not realize that how how much of that just dictated my every single day lived experience and the choices that I made, the decisions that I made based off of these these stories, these which a lot of them are, are fabrications too. Mm. Um so I you know, another thing that you had said earlier that I would love to to hear you talk about is when you were talking about neutrality, getting I mean it sounds like in order to to get to this reclamation that you're talking about, there has to be some sort 
of neutrality. Not everything has to be such a hot button. And you were saying like, if you want to talk about diet or weight loss, cool. And if you don't want to talk about weight loss, cool. Like, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Both of them are, are neutral, you know, yeah. fine, same, same. Um, but I feel like there's this very big shift, the pendulum swing that you were talking about, this anti-diet culture movement that is saying, well, you actually shouldn't talk about weight loss. You shouldn't. And I think that's where a lot of the shame is coming from because people are like, okay, now I know I shouldn't be talking about weight loss and I shouldn't desire weight loss and, and that's not what I have to be after. And yet, I'm still living in the same culture that tells me I need to be skinny. So there's this complete internal disconnect. And, you know, poor us because we're like, what are we supposed <laughs> to be doing? I still want the thing, but I can't talk about the thing that I want. And so now I'm just like stuck here in this isolation and it's really scary and weird and hard. And it's, it sounds like you're pro providing an opportunity for people to like say the scary things of like, Psst, I still want to lose weight. <laughs> Can you talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are around the anti-diet culture movement? I mean, you just said that the pendulum swing needed to happen, right? We need that radical message to wake us up, to open our eyes, to challenge the doc doctrine and all of that. Um, what's your thought on it? Are you love hate in the middle <laughs> totally well okay here's the thing when it first started because i feel like it's it's a little more recent so when it first started to happen i was over the moon i was so yeah. excited i was like yeah screw diet culture like it hasn't given me the things i want right like wow look at all this work i'm having to do because of the messages that i've been indoctrinated with because of diet culture so anytime there is a pendulum swing i think it's necessary it, it stirs things up but it's going to affect people differently so for some people understanding and just seeing that message of anti-diet culture that's maybe all that they needed maybe that is truly like and, and i think that's awesome so I don't think we need to throw out the baby with the bathwater in diet culture, which is a big thing to say, and also anti-diet culture. Stirring things up is great, and some people just need the pot to be stirred, and then they're going to take that and run with it and be like, wow, I was actually just stuck, stuck, like you said, in those subconscious loops of telling myself, oh, I got to start the diet on Monday, or like I'm not good enough, or any of these things, like my worth is in my body, all these things. Some people just need that light switch. It's like the light is turned on in the room to be like, oh, now I see the door. I'm going to let myself out. But I think there's this whole like uh, subsection or like collection of people and I would say I'm one of them who's like, well, okay, the light is now on. I see the door, but I still don't know how to walk to it. And, I, and now I'm confused because now I don't like, I don't know what to do or I don't know what I want to do. And I don't, I'm not seeing conversation around that. So it's totally, I think, a reclamation of the gray area because I truly believe, you know, if you, you wanted my opinion on anti-diet culture, I think it's great. But I do think if, if it's simply another label, and if we start to identify as that label or we identify as anti-something, unfortunately, then we're most likely still paying attention to the thing that we're saying we're anti because we are anti it, right? It's like saying, like, don't think about a pink elephant. <laughs> and then what do you do? You think about the pink elephant. You're primed to think about it. So I think it's it's a great resource. It's a great way to flip opinions that are maybe really, really deep set and are subconscious that we don't even know are these stories that are playing through our brains day in, day out. We don't know that we've developed all these habits that have been rooted in diet culture. But 
I also believe that a root of diet culture is this good or bad rhetoric and paradigm. So if we were to make anti-diet culture good, diet culture bad, I think it still sets us up to stay in those spirals, in those loops. And that's something where I'm like, well, again, if we bring it all to neutral, then we're probably going to feel more able to be present in ourselves and at least start to make micro movements if we would so like. Because here's the other thing. We can align with being diet culture and we can align with being anti-diet culture. And that's, I mean, that's really radical, right? Like that's that truly liberatory thing. Like that's not fun to say like, oh, if you like diet culture or if you want to stay in it, you actually have the right to. And same with anti-diet culture and same with being in the middle. So it is, it's a, oh, it is a sneaky space to be in because it, it gets really, really nuanced. Yeah. And it's like that, that, that gray area. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, it's, I'm always just hanging out in this like murky gray area. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, when you were, maybe I can give like a real world example of like something that when we're talking about these subconscious beliefs and how they kind of like run the show, um, because I think it would be helpful for, for folks who are listening, who feel like they're in this, mm-hmm. this, maybe this gray area. And they're like, okay, I really am buying into the anti-diet culture movement. Like F diet culture, F the patriarchy, let's <laughs> burn it all down. I'm there. And also I'm having a really hard time with my body right now. And so how do I, you know, how do I, um, resolve that? You know, um, I would love to give people some like actual things to think about and things to do. One thing that I've, I mean, and I've been through the ringer with, with all of this, but one thing that I've noticed myself thinking lately. So five years ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune illness as everybody knows. And, um, today it's in remission, which maybe not everybody knows. Um, over the past five years, I've, I've put on weight, not like a significant amount of weight, but you know, like I'm in different pant sizes. I put on weight and I think my body really needed that in order to truly heal for whatever reason. So my belief system is that I needed to gain weight in order to heal my physical body. So then is the opposite of that true? I'm really nervous about losing weight because I'm afraid that my autoimmune disease will come out of remission. And so it's just all of this like stuff that lives in our heads about our bodies. And so I I have this very kind of weird relationship with weight loss now because I'm like, hey, I don't want to be sick again, man. Like I would rather be in a bigger size gene and not be sick. But what I'm starting to do now is like question, well, is that even true? Is that belief true? Um, so that's just kind of one example of so many examples of, you know, just the stuff that lives in our heads. But what would you say to, um, I'm not asking you to play psychologist right now for me. <laughs> what would you say to that? Like, what do you, like, give me your feedback on that. Um, but what would you say to somebody who might be starting to examine some of their beliefs or maybe better yet, how do you start to unpack and examine your own beliefs if you yeah. are in this murky area? Yeah, I think that was such a great example because it also shows that these things and our thoughts are complex. And we might have, you know, I think that was a story that you brought up, right? That you're like, well, wait, actually, weight loss and weight gain, now with like this added factor of autoimmunity, I've had experiences that 
add in like additional layers of data. And now I have to, you know, kind of like figure out and how am I manipulating this data? Like, what do I want this data to be showing me? Or I do, have I believed that it's shown me one thing and could it actually show me something else if I so choose? So a great place that I like to start with a lot of people, just in general, like even beyond weight loss, because also for bringing weight loss into a more neutral space, it doesn't have to be the end all be all, right? So we can bring some levity to it. So a great place that we start is assessing and starting to work on what we value. What are our core values? And that might seem like way more macro, right? Like the big lens, like, well, how, what does that have to do with weight loss or unpacking our stories around weight loss? But if we start to understand like how, what motivates us and what how we function in the world again like what we value that maybe has been subconscious how many of us have spent the time maybe more people like in your community or my community have been curious about what they value or why that is and have a lot of introspection but again in general throughout our culture because of diet culture how many of us have spent time asking ourselves well what do i value like what are the the names of the things that i value so i think you know there are some really great exercises honestly people can just google them to have like lists of different um, values and then spend even just 10 minutes going through the list circling 20 things that really stand out to you and the value you know could be family or faith or health or community i mean it's these lists can be just absolutely huge so starting to shuffle through what we value and bringing it down over time, maybe from your top 20 to your top 10, taking a breather, (laughs) take a drink of water, go for a walk, come back, bring it to your top five, maybe to your top three core values. And then we can look at our lived experiences from a lens of what we value. And that just, again, if we go back to your story and what you just shared, that can be a really cool way to say like, oh, So I've been thinking of it in this one way, or I've been hesitant, right, to either gain weight or lose weight, or I've had this association with it that now that I see what I value, or on the flip side, what I don't value, I can now more clearly navigate through this process if I so choose and if I so desire. That's awesome. That's a really good starting point too. I mean, I've definitely, even just as something as simple as buying our house, when we, when it came time to buy a house, we were like all over the place and we just sat down and we're like, what are our value systems? What do we want? You know, and, and in doing so, we found like the perfect location for us. But I don't ever think we really like sit down and stop ourselves to be like, what what's really deeply important to me because it's not going to be the same as somebody else. So following somebody else's rules probably won't make a lot of sense. Right, exactly. And here's the other thing too, you know, I, I, I was just having a conversation with a few people yesterday around the idea of what's static or what we kind of believe, especially with, you know, the pandemic and coronavirus that we have maybe been relying on or have are trying to value like getting to a schedule or a way of being that is static, right? That like looks really good on paper. Like I have my calendar perfectly planned and then like this thing came in and completely flipped it around and oh, actually, look, I I was valuing something that I didn't even realize I was valuing. So I just want to throw in there that with our core values, they can change over time because we might have different experiences when you buy a house or maybe if you start a family or you go through these different experiences that are going to reveal to you what you value. So just like that, um, the reason I'm bringing that up is 
maybe your experience now would be different if autoimmunity hadn't kind of like thrown itself into the limelight with you five years ago, right? There was something you had to focus on. So I just want to, I think so often we almost want from a place of safety for things or decisions to be inflexible, right? Like I'm going to make this decision and then I'm going to stick with it. I'll say like, I wish paleo, like when I first went paleo, I think that was 2012. I don't even know. When I first went paleo, I was like, this is it. Like, I've got it. I'm good. <laughs> like, I am all figured out. And now, like, that was great then. But if I were to cling to that, right, if I were like, well, why doesn't paleo work for me? Or this or that. Or for whatever reasons why I've, like, you know, expanded beyond it. If I were to shame myself for that, how am I really helping myself now? And so because of that, what am I valuing now versus what did I value in 2012? And can they both be okay? Right. So I know, again, that's like totally the gray area. So some people might be rolling their eyes like, OK, great. So <laughs> what am I supposed to do? But just remember, when we start to look at our values, they can hold us over. They can support us. And if we'd like to, when we'd like to at a later point, they might change and they might shift. And it might not even be that radical. But just having that um, idea right now that like what happens if we allow ourselves to be flexible? What opens up for us? Oh, that's so good because it's like, you know, a lot of these these um, things or these beliefs that I constructed around lots of different things were in a period of, of time when I was fighting for my life and I'm no longer in that period of fighting for my life. So things probably need a reevaluation, you know? Um, very, very cool. All right. So let's say somebody comes to you because I know that you do work with individual clients um, who are looking for weight loss. Is that, that's correct still, right? That we, that's correct. Yep. Okay. And I, I, I have one main um, group coaching program for that specifically for women who want to be losing weight or want to be assessing that. Okay. So what is, I mean, obviously without giving away your trade secrets, what what's a starting point for somebody when you, when they're coming to you and they're like, I, I have you know, I, I want to lose weight. How do you start to dive into that? Yeah. So I'll also say that a lot of the women who are coming to me and in that program, it's called Lean and Liberated, just so we like have a name for it. A lot of them who are coming to me, they they also have similar experiences to me or just to those in my community where they, like this isn't their first rodeo. Like They understand and they probably enjoy eating kind of unprocessed foods, whole foods, right? They're not scared of a zucchini. They, 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 they know some stuff. And that's especially why they're feeling stuck and frustrated because they feel this added pressure that they should have this figured out or because they have this really robust knowledge of nutrition or they've just they've done food challenges like they get it they feel like they shouldn't be focusing on weight loss going back to you know kind of the original point of this they're like well now i feel ashamed <laughs> like i should just be happy eating real foods but something is missing so that's where we start is with like getting curious, getting into a, a container that is safe enough, enough for us to be curious. Because a lot of the times when we start, like when I'm starting with women, whether we're in the group or we're doing like a, you know, a private session, there's a lot of story that has to come out, right? Of kind of like either apologizing or feeling bad or this and that, and then diving in. We kind of, it's like we have to like unload the uh, backpack, <laughs> like taking all the things out so we can just see what's in that backpack. So a lot of it comes back to, honestly, just with my style, is dialogue. And so we can say, like, okay, now that I've unpacked this backpack, I see, like, what night either needs to get thrown away or just, like, recombobulated. Now I have all the things out on the table. 
what would I like to do with it? So in terms of the program itself, we do work on core values. We also start to have some understanding around habits and habit development. Like you were saying earlier, habits are really based in our subconscious. So if we're simply trying to like strong arm our habits with our analytical brain, which is not our subconscious brain, that's a route that is going to feel like it, it can't um, be in our lives for forever. That's a very diety route. It works for a little bit. We have a lot of motivation. We feel like motivation is how we make change. Uh, and then we get burned out <laughs> or our life changes or something like a pandemic comes along, right? We start to see that our lives, what we have control over are our thoughts. That's what we are in charge of is how we think. And how we think, like our thoughts, those create our feelings, right? So we don't have to necessarily say like, it's what a bad thing that you've had this story from this person who told you, you know, this this thing or told you about how you looked and now that's like how you live your life. We can simply be informed. And when we have informed consent to our thoughts and we start to see like, oh, those have been running on autopilot. Like, hey, that's been kind of crummy because I don't like those thoughts. It's not to uh, emotionally bypass the old thoughts, but it's simply just to bring them into a context where we can say, hey, now that we understand this, would we like to try something different? And when we try something different too, that is also, you know, if we go back into more like physiology, that can help us move us into the parasympathetic state, the rest and digest mode, instead of feeling like we're navigating our days always in the sympathetic stress state, right? We're in fight, flight, or freeze on any end of that spectrum. I think really there can be a lot of chronic stress, clearly, that we're under. We chatted about that when you were on uh, my podcast, which was so awesome. A lot of us are just under like major duress 24-7. So if we can start to have these little tiny spaces where we can just kind of like elbow out more room for ourselves, that's going to prime us to move into the parasympathetic state. When we're parasympathetic, it's going to be less about having a perfect plate and we're going to be way more in um, tune with our hunger and with our appetite and with our stories around those. So, so it's about building awareness. I know that's a long-winded way <laughs> to answer your question, but it's about having dialogue and building awareness as well as trying to have some informed consent to some of those different stories that have been looping. Um, the building aware. I mean, everything you said was awesome. Um, the building awareness piece is where I'm going to hook in because, you know, something I say often is it really starts with awareness. Um, but like how you get there is a little tricky, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I was, and I was just thinking about this on my run today. (laughs) I was laughing because I went for a run for the first time in like four years and died. Um, (laughs) but I was thinking about this because I did an interview earlier this week and we were talking about um, the the collective stress of the situation right now and that fight, flight, freeze response. And uh, the woman I was interviewing was talking about how a lot of her clients are starting to run right now, even though they're not runners. They just feel like there's this, this energy that needs to come out. It's like a way to kind of like move through that, that fight or flight response. Uh, I, I'm doing a lot more intense exercise than I normally did. So we had that conversation on the podcast. And then I was like thinking about, oh boy, well, a lot of people are in a very stressed out situation right now. So cortisol levels are all over the place. And I'm like, 
I hope that I'm not confusing my listeners because some people are going to be like, but wait, when you have high cortisol, your exercise is supposed to be this. When you have low cortisol, your exercise, you know, and like we get bomb- yeah. bombarded with all the information and all the rules. And so I'm like, I really have to make a point to say, this is why knowing yourself and being able to listen to your body and build awareness of what your body is asking for is so important because it's all true. It's all, all of it is true. It just depends on what your body needs in any given moment. Do you need to go for a run or do you need to take a nap or do you need to lie down and do some gentle yoga stretching? I, I can't tell you that based on any lab, but what's going on inside your body. So it's that, that building awareness piece can just have such far reaching, con- uh, you know, effects. Um, and I think it's like really ground zero for where to start with just about anything. Um, so that was all awesome. I, w- I do want to ask you about, I know you talk about the power of kindness mm. in relation to losing weight. So what do you mean by that? Talk to us a little bit more about the the kindness piece. I feel like self-compassion is kind of a buzzword right now. <laughs> and it's like, sure, everybody wants to be more compassionate with themselves. How? Yeah, right. Well, here's the thing, too. If anyone is feeling like, because, yeah, self-compassion is a buzzword. Self-care has been a buzzword, right? Just, like, take a bubble bath and your life will be perfect. Like, come on. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. But unless you want a bubble bath, then great. Go for it. But, (laughs) But what I find more helpful is the recognition. So I just want to say, like, if anyone's out there and they're feeling, like, stressed out that they should be, like, have more self-compassion, they should, you know, have more self-care for themselves, why can they be the person who shows up for everyone else but not for themselves, etc.? If this is just another thing to be stressing out about, I just want to help, like, neutralize or just have people remember that we're all, we've grown up or are growing up in a culture that also just doesn't teach us how to have self-compassion for the most part, right? If it's a culture of dieting, that's not something that helps the dieting industry make money is us having more self-compassion. They're in the business of like making money. It's a business. So it's not in their best interest for us to feel self-compassion and to like truly release the diets from our hands. So how to build more self-compassion how to bring kindness into any of these practices, it honestly comes right back to self-awareness. And, you know, I even think if anyone has dabbled in like trying a meditation or mindfulness practice, it's kind of that feeling when you start something like that. Like I'm an on-again, off-again meditator. (laughs) That initial feeling where you're like, sitting maybe right you're sitting with your eyes closed whether it's guided or it's music or you're just you know hanging out by yourself that monkey brain that starts to like come online like hey are you doing it right are you doing it right how long has it been how long has it been like oh what what are you listening to oh wait what are you supposed to be paying attention to right like all that kind of gobbledygook that our brains are going through what if we make that okay that to me is like the essence of self-compassion is If we make it okay and kind that we have this monkey brain (laughs) and it loves to jump from like branch to branch and swing around, if we allow it to play, because that's kind of what it's doing, and we allow it without judgment, 
then we're going to have that clarity. And it's not from a place of ego even because they're, you know, again, with diet culture, we can then start to insert ego and be like, well, you should be more self-compassionate or I am the most self-compassionate person or like my schedule works for me so well, whatever. It really just comes back to what can bring you into the present moment because the present moment is going to unlock a lot of information and it can sound scary when we start this process, but that what I'd like people to question is, is it scary? Is it overwhelming to be in touch with your feelings for real, for real, because you've had that experience? Or is that simply a story from diet culture that keeps diet culture kind of in control, that we can't trust ourselves and we can't trust our bodies and that we can't trust our appetite or we can't trust our flexibility and that things might change. So that to me is an essence of self-compassion is that A, it's all okay. B, we do have that power and see once we feel it and we internalize it, we're really going to know what to do and we can trust that. The The day that I decided to trust my body was the day that I basically uh, like staked a claim on my own life. I'm like, nobody's telling me what, you know, that I am not to be trusted. I am the thing to be trusted in my life. It all comes from within. And that was the most empowering thing that I've ever done for myself ever. And in fact, when I start to move into difficult times, a mantra for me is I trust my body, I trust myself, I trust the process of my life. Like that is on repeat in my brain because sometimes I need a reminder too. But no no diet, no coach, no nobody is going to tell me what to do with my body. And for me, like that feels really good. You know, like it, when I say that out loud, it feels physically good in my body. So I know I'm onto something, you know? Yes. Oh, I think that's just the most empowering thing. And it's so true. And it's that reclamation of self, right? It's like putting like the, the, I'm like a visual of like a flag in the sand being like, like, this is my land. Like, this is my body. This is me. I might not know every blade of grass, but like I'm here for it because it's mine. So like, let's do this. Let's go. And anybody that that tries to get me to question otherwise can fall back. (laughs) Yeah, fall back already. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you being willing to engage in this dialogue with me um, because it's, you know, it's murky waters, touchy subject. It's hard to talk about, but I think we, we have to all feel safe coming forward and saying, but this is how I feel. You know, this is how I feel. I have the information. I've seen the things and I still feel this way. So what are my next steps? So Lucia, can you tell everybody where they can find more of you, more of your work? I know. So that you said the name of your program is lean and liberated lean and liberated so i will put that in the show notes so people can check that out but where else can they find you yeah definitely so i also have a weekly podcast devoured podcast which you so graciously came on and we had an awesome conversation there so that podcast is really geared towards all these subjects like it's for the the women or just the people whoever that is feeling devoured by dieting devoured by diet culture so that's that's an awesome place i just adore being on and having that show and having guests like you come on there um also instagram what up <laughs> maybe you, you also feel this way but it's such a cool place to connect so i'm lucia holly underscore over there and then my own website luciaholly.com so i'm sure that'll be in the show notes just for spelling um but that's that's where i'm on in the the digital arena <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, I mean, if you guys want to continue to have, you know, hear more stuff like this, definitely head over to the Devoured podcast because I think it's important to keep talking about this stuff and just making sure that everybody feels like they have a place in the conversation. Um, so thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erin. And thanks for, I just want to say like, thanks for creating the space because I know these subjects can be they can be so deep and so vast and so, so personal. So I really just honor you creating that space for this today. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm glad that I had somebody to talk to about it with. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.